Hello, everyone, and welcome to this full moon meditation meeting in the sign of Aries. Thank you all, all of you people who are here in person uh, to attend, and um, also everyone who is joining us online. It's great to have all of you in attendance um, for this very special full moon, which inaugurates the higher interlude of the spiritual year. So the full moon of Aries marks the great festival of Easter. And as I said, it is the beginning of the higher interlude of the spiritual year. It is the festival of the risen and living Christ and a time to affirm the fact of relationship between all aspects of the planetary whole, that great being in whom all grades of life upon our planet find their place. Aries, we are told, quote, awakens the will to reach the lowest in their control. And thus it is fitting that this sign inaugurates the higher interlude of the spiritual year, wherein the highest will, Shambhala, reaches down to the lowest humanity. In Aries, we are reminded of the power of divinity to overcome death, to overcome all separation, and to raise all things into everlasting glory. It is a time of renewal, of regeneration and resurrection. The Easter festival emphasizes Christ's triumph over death, thus affirming the infallible power of God as it works through the soul of all things. We are reminded that for the soul there is no death, only life which cycles through a long series of incarnations until, after reaching a stage of relative perfection, it is released into new and greater cycles of spiritual expression. The ageless wisdom teaches that resurrection is the keynote of nature, whereas death is the antechamber of resurrection. And what this means is that all things Pass, must pass through death before entering onto the fullest expression of life. The whole story of evolution sees spirit entering into matter and then, quote, dying to form, to eventually rise again triumphant. The human soul incarnates and through experience, strife, and great effort rises to that high plane from which it originated but with the full self-consciousness and the gain of the many qualities of manifested divinity. The descent of spirit into matter can also be understood as the expression and fulfillment of, excuse me, and fulfillment of the original divine idea, the original intention. As the birthplace of ideas, Aries is responsible for the will to incarnate, the descent of the highest into expression through the lowest. And this occurs via the mind and through a whole host of creative agencies, the builders, greater and lesser of the worlds. The human soul is also a creator in the three worlds and thus capable of both higher impression and creative expression of that higher impression. The initiating, creative, and mental force of Aries is instrumental in the magical work of the soul, which in the present cycle seeks three things. To establish right human relationship, to mediate divine ideas into human consciousness, and to redeem matter and release the prisoners of the planet. To accomplish this above all requires the right employment of the will. This will is the power to think, to act, to create. It is also the power to love, to unite, to do good, and to rise above all the many glamours and illusions of form life. It is through the application and development of the spiritual will that every obstacle is overcome, every cleavage bridged, and all harm brought to an end. The right use of the will is key to the efflorescence of humanity and to its fullest spiritual potential, wherein love, harmony, beauty, knowledge, 
ordered civilization, the sum total of all the hopes and dreams of countless generations of thinkers and creators throughout the ages can become manifest through human living. Yet in order for humanity to produce a world which reflects the higher principles of its nature, the human will must reflect and become a clear channel for the spiritual will, which is ultimately the will of that greater life in whom we live. Not mine, not my will, but thine be done, is one of the highest, one of the most potent and complete prayers ever uttered by the Christ. So let us keep this affirmation in mind now as we sound together the mantra of the will and align ourselves, heart, mind, and soul with that higher center so that it may pour through us in service to the world. In the center of the will of God I stand, not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. So today we work with the energies of Aries and um, key to Aries is um, the work of creation and the science of interludes and their right use we are told is really key to this creative work. Aries being both a sign of creation as well as the beginning of the higher allude of the spiritual year is an especially pertinent time to reflect on the spiritual opportunities which the right use of the interlude affords. An interlude is simply that moment which occurs between two activities. And in every, and in every cycle, spiritual or otherwise, there is both a higher and a lower interlude for all cycles have a ebb and flow, ascent and descent, and thus two points of pause and reorientation before activity begins in new direction. All cyclic processes in nature are fundamentally related to the breath. And in the macrocosm, the great breath is said to be one of the most, sorry, one of the fundamental aspects of the absolute and thus eternally present. This great breath is the foundation of the perpetual motion of space. It is what the secret doctrine calls absolute abstract motion. And as such, it is the basis for the development of all consciousness in the universe. For there is nothing which is conscious and alive, which is inert or motionless. The motion caused by this great breath produces all force and individualized consciousness. At the same time, it supplies the intelligence which guides the whole plan of cosmic evolution. Breath is thus the great and primeval creative act, and it is echoed by the multitude of lesser intelligences and creative agents which populate the worlds, working out the original cosmic idea each within their sphere. Breath is therefore the basis of the many cycles, greater and lesser, which govern all manifestation and by which evolution itself proceeds through time and space. The energies which permeate and comprise the worlds are also cyclic in their manifestation, being heightened or lessened depending on the stage of the cycle. 
A knowledge of these cycles is important for those intelligences and agencies who work with subjective energies and apply them to the fulfillment of divine purpose. It's important to remember that the human soul is potentially one of these builders. And through the right use of the mind and the will, the soul is able to tune into the divine intention underlying all creation and to coax it into fuller expression. This is what has been referred to as the magical work of the soul. And we are told that it is accomplished primarily through meditation. Effective occult meditation makes use of both interludes, the higher, whereby abstract or divine thought impresses the soul and then the mind, as well as the lower, wherein that impression is formulated into concrete thought forms and then transmitted to the brain. The higher interlude is necessarily the first then to be attained if ever the creative work in the lower interlude is to have any chance of success. This, this, uh, this can apply to both um, an individual or a group's daily or weekly meditation, such as the meditation we do you know, every morning before we start our day. Um, but it can also apply equally to the higher interlude of the spiritual year, which is a sort of a sort of year-long meditation, a planetary cycle in which both hierarchy and humanity mutually cooperate. So this higher interlude is a moment of poised silence and alignment in which vertical contact with the source of light, love, and spiritual power is greatly facilitated. It is synonymous with that stage of meditation called contemplation, and it is characterized by direct and unimpeded communion with the divine. Right use of the higher interlude requires the lower vehicles be quieted and stilled, and that the attention remain focused and concentrated in the light of the soul, rather than be negative and quiescent. This establishes alignment and rapport with the higher center and that rain cloud of noble things, which is made available by hierarchy, but awaits precipitation into human consciousness. It is in this place of poise, of focused quiet and alignment that the higher interlude or the stage of contemplation can begin. It is important to emphasize again that this um, stage of contemplation, this higher, this higher interlude, is an interlude between two activities. And so it cannot occur either until the lower bodies are quieted and the mind held responsive to impression. Um, and this requires serious training before it can be sustained for even brief periods of time. But when this higher contact is finally attained and the spiritual light from the soul begins to illuminate the mind, um, the natural reaction is for the mind to instantly be stimulated into, a higher, into an activity of a higher order than which it normally operates. And this, um, and this naturally, as soon as this activity begins, the higher interlude ends because another phase of activity begins. And the stage, um, so in order to sustain the higher interlude and to truly begin to work within it, it requires that that consciousness be lifted and sustained within the causal body itself, entirely removed, but not disconnected from the lower mind. As I said, this is a very difficult stage. It is difficult to be sustained um, for more than even a few moments at first. This state is known in the East as samadhi. And only in this state can that which the soul sees and knows and visions be transferred to the physical brain, excuse me, the physical brain. Attaining to this state is said to be the entire goal of the meditation process, perhaps because beyond this state of meditation as we formally know it ends in another phase of divine communion 
and relationship begins. And this brings us to a consideration of the Tibetans' teachings on the Antakarana. For the stage of contemplation, um, once attained and stabilized, actually becomes the launching pad or the jumping off point for a whole other phase of work that is union with that which is even more exalted than the soul. This is the spiritual triad, which comprises man's highest spiritual principles, atma, buddhi, and manas. This necessitates contact with planes of our solar system, which are considered entirely formless. And in these worlds, the soul sees itself as one with all other energies and conscious expressions of life. This state of consciousness is characterized by synthesis, by atonement, by straight knowledge and pure vision, wherein there is a complete and perfect relationship between the knower and the object of knowledge. The nature of the life of the soul on its own plane and its relationship to that which is formless is necessarily very difficult for us to visualize and to comprehend. Um, for it being entirely formless, even symbols themselves don't really fully convey the, even abstract symbols, I should say, don't really fully convey the, the, the real truth of, of, the state of, of this state of consciousness. But it is captured, and this is the, what the Tibetan says actually, is captured in the following words of Christ, which some of you may recognize. Quote, Christ said that, quote, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, and that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfect, may be made perfect in one. So it may be surprising to realize that one of the foremost means to achieve such a state of union with the divine is through the use of visualization and the creative imagination. And so any effort to, even though it's formless in one sense, all the efforts we make to try to visualize and create some sort of, um, some sort of symbol in our mind, some sort of visual of what this state of consciousness is to imagine it or to sense it in any way is uh, an effort, is a worthy effort and does definitely build the bridge to this higher plane. And so that's, Really the importance of those statements like the Christ, which in a sense just seems like an utter repetition, repetition of oneness over and over and over again. But at the same time, you read between the lines and, and you can start to get a sense of, of, of the, that state of oneness, which the soul on its own plane, which the intuition, which the triad really does convey. Um, but the reason for the use of the imagination goes, goes down to this fact that the imagination is, is um, closely aligned with the intuition, um, which is, as we know, that higher principle in the human being, which grants eventually perfect love, perfect vision, pure knowledge, straight knowledge, as it's also called. So Energy follows thought and the eye directs the energy is a fundamental occult law. And what this occult law, what this statement gets at is that through the use of the picture-making faculty, the imagination or visualization, if you will, a bridge can be built between the lower four and the higher three principles of human nature. And this ladder or bridge then becomes a means of communication between these formless worlds and the mundane worlds of spiritual expression. And it is at this sort of nexus or this central point that the disciple seeks to work. And this all takes us back to the right use of the interludes. Um, for the soul is the one that works in the interludes and not really the aspiring personality. The aspiring personality really can only work in that lower interlude at best. But it's only through efforts to really become the soul, to think as the soul, to see as the soul, that we are able to really begin to truly function in that higher interlude. <laughs> 
But once this is accomplished, one can to some degree begin to see and hear and think as the soul. Then he becomes, he or she begins to become an asset to the work of hierarchy and to really truly begin to cooperate in the fulfillment of planetary purpose. This purpose must be implemented with love and from the plane of mind, but most importantly, it must also be implemented with power if it ever is to bear fruit. It is in this higher interlude and through its right use that this needed power is attained. This is the power to heal all wrong, to bridge all cleavages, and to make out of the many one. It is the power to make all things new. Surety of alignment attained in the higher interlude grants the disciple the power in varying degrees of the hierarchy itself. The senior members of this august body are literally, quote, one with the purpose for which the worlds were made. And they thus embody that power, that highest power, and they can make it available for practical application by the disciple in the mundane world, provided that disciple himself or herself is able to make the needed alignment. <clears throat> Today, the great task of offsetting hate, of ending separation, and redeeming materialism proceeds, and we can imagine that the Christ <clears throat> and the entire hierarchy continue to bend every effort to see this purification of human nature brought to completion. It is now nearly 80 years since the end of World War II, and since that great spiritual impulse released at the conclusion of war, great strides and advances in human consciousness have been made. However, in many ways, humanity remains a house divided. Many of the ancient hatreds between nations and within them remain. The Tibetan writes that this problem is, from the human angle, well-nigh insoluble. Unfortunately. <laughs> but he says also, it will, but it will require the united effort of the men and women of goodwill, of the new group of world servers, and of the hierarchy itself. And I think this, given the fact that the new group of world servers is the preeminent link between humanity and hierarchy, this really emphasizes that sort of the responsibility for the salvation of humanity at this time really lies in the hands of this great linking group. <clears throat> and today, although these ancient hatreds remain in full display, there is a sense held by many that beneath the outer form, an inner reorganization has already taken place, but is arrested in its efforts to really percolate to the surface into full expression. And of course, we'll all have different opinions about that, but many today do recognize that these subjective lines of relationship are strong and that people everywhere are responding to this inner reorganization and much of the building work is going forward in alignment with man's higher nature. This isn't to say, though, that one can deny that the <clears throat> vestiges of the old thought forms, the subtle and not so subtle, um, remain, and that they do hinder the emergence of human civilization into the light of the Aquarian era. The intense selfishness and irresponsibility of the economic and financial systems, the corruption and political establishments around the world, the economic and political strength of the military-industrial complex, along with the many lesser forms of structural iniquities and institutionalized selfishness and greed, all of these do remain. And these all must ultimately be destroyed and new structures must definitely take their place. Destruction, we are reminded, is often a necessary, a very necessary part of the process of redemption. But if we take a moment to look objectively and with the esoteric sense, we might see that today the inner flame, which will eventually purify these pernicious thought forms and institutions, has already been kindled. 
and that within these systems and all around them, these many small flames are gradually being fanned into a burning blaze. We know this blaze will eventually burn out all the dross. In Aries, we are told, quote, the fire blazed forth, and through that fire, I died to life, and so was born to death, and then again, I died to form. The symbolic death by fire which Aries brings destroys the limitations of the form. And such a burning up of the dross is much needed in the world today if we are ever to be released from the structures and thought forms of the past. But once the, once the destroying fires have done their work, the path, quote, the path that stands clear and unobstructed vision is achieved. Humanity can then inaugurate a new cycle of creative work. Human civilization can consciously and directly be created more fully patterned on things as they are in the heavens. Untold beauty, harmony, and opportunity will abound. And then humanity can begin to turn its attention away from its own problems and considerations and towards the spiritualization of the planet and the creation of a completed whole. Beautiful and wondrous, perhaps even beyond our present comprehension. And so with these thoughts in mind, let us now take a moment to quiet the mind, to align ourselves, and we will proceed with our meditation. Full moon approach to the hierarchy, letting in the light. We come together in group fusion, affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the the heart center of the new group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them.
higher interlude, excuse me, alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. And then we extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. Higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay. Meditation, using the keynote for Aries, I come forth and from the plane of mind, I rule.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet, becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Use a sixfold progression of divine love, Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, the men and women of goodwill, physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram and sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. We visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you everyone for your participation in this very important work. Um, I think it's a appropriate time to you know, reflect on these meetings. You know, the real purpose of the meeting is the meditation. We do start with a talk, but the real the whole point is the meditation, so we can imagine those. We can approach those talks, you know, in our listening as if it were a preparation for the subjective work, which comes after. But thank you all for your, for your subjective and um, objective participation. So we have, um, and I would like to say also, this is a particularly potent time to be working because we are within 12 hours of the exact time of the full moon of Aries. And the 12 hours preceding the full moon is one of the most potent times of the approach as it's the time when the alignment is most easily facilitated. It's the highest point of the cycle. So that vertical alignment is, the way of approach is wide open, we're told. So the exact moment of the full moon um, does occur this evening at, I believe, 12.34 or 12.32 a.m., uh, early, early Thursday morning, Eastern time. Um, so we can all join in if you are awake at that time you can join in for an alignment and a link up with the group at the exact moment uh, the new upcoming meetings we have the new moon 
which is being the next new moon is going to be held Wednesday, April 19th from 6 at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And following that will be the Waysack Festival, uh, also part of the Higher Interlude, and that is going to be held Friday, May 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be held as part of the Arcane School Conference in New York, which will be held that weekend, May 6th through 7th. More information can be found on our website, www.lucistrust.org slash conference. Um, so thank you all and have a good evening. <laughs>